are they on the offensive or, on, or are they on the defensive? Um, because ultimately you can look at CDR and, and think of, you know, is it really glass half full or is it half empty? Welcome to Fintech Fun. Fintech Fun is a podcast where Australian fintechs come to share their stories. Hello, it's Chris Titley here. As part of the Fintech Fun podcast, I'm joined by Jill Berry, a co-founder of AdaTree. Jill, thanks so much for coming on the series and being part of it all. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. Nice to chat to you. Jill, let's talk about AdaTree, the early days, and even yourself, how the business began and why the business began, going back to the early days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last last month, we celebrated our three-year anniversary, um, and it just, it just seems like it's been ages, really. I've learned a whole lot. Um, if, yeah, if I, if I was a betting woman, I would have definitely bet that I would have never started a a company at all. I've always been very happy as a product developer, but I think that ultimately those, those ways really got the best of me. Um, uh, I've always worked in product development, going from zero to one in, in, in different banks, um, working on different like products and services and payments. Um, and then when I was um, building like my second bank with my co-founder Shane, um, you know, I love the idea of getting rid of legacy tech, legacy thinking, so you can have better consumer outcomes. And really, only thought about banking for that. The consumer data right legislation came out, and I started to really pour into it. Be like, this is such an economy wide um, thing. It's you know, it's beyond banking. Well, we um, mm. and but kind of copied and pasted from what it takes to build a bank, like in terms of security standards and you know, keeping up with all the technical um, <laughs> like complexities. It's really hard. So. I love the idea of where it can go, but if you didn't have a solution in market, then ultimately you wouldn't bring any use cases to life. So we wanted to do the heavy lifting of it, be the intermediary. So to really to enable other fintechs and lots of other companies to provide better consumer services and products. So decided to quit our jobs, um, had a lean business canvas, um, did a lot of hypotheses and, and pretty much did exactly that. So definitely never planned on being CEO um, or really running the company, but it was really about like a love for um, like the potential of what the CDR could really do for for consumers and, and being you know the pioneer um, in, a, in a big greenfield market. Yeah, right, Jill, and, and that was um, twenty twenty, I think July one, when sort of things came um, out and about. But maybe for the listeners out there, you want to talk about CDR um, and what it is in its own right, and then the application use, which I'd like to delve into. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the consumer data right is a regulated data sharing regime um, that basically gives consumers the rights um, about you know who holds your data, for what purpose, can they delete it, can they sell it, you know, lots of other things that before companies would just hold it and be like, well, if you're custom, if you're my customer, this is mine. Sorry, this isn't yours. Um, it totally flips it on its head. So that's. Um, so to, to change like that social principle of, well, company doesn't own your data, you own your data. There's a lot of technical 
you know, frameworks that really have to go along with it. But well, how do you enable, you know, like Chris's person to transfer all of his banking data or energy data to, to really where you want to go? Or how do you enforce that a company has to delete everything about you instead of sell it? What are the, you know, they're looking at the regulatory framework. So ultimately it's an economy-wide framework. It's often called open banking. That's where it started, but it it will go anywhere from It'll definitely go into finance, superannuation, telco, energy, payments, really just going economy-wide. So it's basically the technical regulatory implementation about how you own your own data and you can control it. And Jill, the the use case is a couple of years later and and, and, and how AdaTree fits in and and I, and I suppose the the maybe the, the kickback or the sort of the revolt against why maybe in a couple of years it hasn't really kicked off um, and, and maybe compare where we are to overseas in the US and the UK. Yeah, so um, so there's no regulated data sharing in in the in the US. Um, it's largely you know private API connections or you know just password sharing really, um, but you really don't have any control with that. Um, it's open banking really started in the UK, but it was just looking at not necessarily anything economy wide, um, but they do have payments in there as well. So right now you can send data here, but you can initiate payments you know outside the CDR um, that will. Um, you know, that will hopefully come into or that'll go live, um, you know, in the coming months and years. Um, I know that the new Labour government just reiterated their commitment to the CDR and action initiation is a really big thing of it. Um, so I know that especially during COVID, um, so many there, there's there's millions of payments in, in the UK now made through open banking. So instead of you, know, you paying on your card somewhere or like having operational overhead or essentially just like a whole lot of fraud, um, expensive payments. Um, and there's a really big float uh, essentially um, owned by the schemes. Now you can do account to account. Um, you know, everything's really authorized, whether it's like a one-off or, um, or a recurring basis. And there's, um, I think that there's, there's lots of different use cases of, well, how can you look at someone's data and or make a payment um, off the back of it? So it's the better consumer outcome. It's more secure. Um, and there's some pretty cool use cases. Like you know, most of the most most of the time, you think about kind of like the low, like the low hanging fruit. Like, how can I view my accounts in one place, or how can I have um, how can I have a really streamlined credit assessment? Um, but there's also ones that you can look at. Well, how can you support vulnerable people? If, you know, say if you have, um, you know, like an older relative who you're worried about their finances, or you don't want them to, to get scammed, or maybe they really can't take care of themselves. And you, how, well, how do you balance privacy and utility? Um, and how can you use open banking in that? So they can essentially authorize you to, you know, have oversight of it um, without having, you know, without re them relinquishing full control. So there's, you know, it's it's well outside banking, but how do you go into social services or energy or how can you transition people to even a green economy? How can you use CDR to um, to get more people into solar or think about, well, what's the real payback period of do I go solar and battery? Um, lots of different really in interesting ways well outside, well, just faster lending. Yeah, on that on that front, in regards to the people that are like the 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 the, the institution themselves, um, 
you know, for instance, if I want to do a budget, you know, want to do a budget and I use a budgeting app, then I can integrate to my bank. This is probably a simple use case on that front. But then from that bank's point of view, how are they sort of encouraging people to do it or are they sort of a little bit lapsed because they're thinking, oh, maybe people are using our data to leave and do something else? Well, it's a question of, you know, are they on the offensive or, on, or are they on the defensive? Um, because ultimately you can look at CDR and and think of, you know, is it really glass half full or is it half empty? Because if you're just giving away your data and there's other companies with cool services and propositions, then they're, they're going to be engaging your customers and the probability of you being a commodity like um, product service provider in the background really increases. Yep. So it's, you know, companies have to share their data, you know, because, uh, otherwise they are subject to a whole lot of, you know, civil and corporate fines, mm. really. Um, but it's a question of, well, how can we just get away from the stick? How can you go to the carrot? Um, you know, his retention really won't be able to be a, like, as much of a strategy in the future, but well, how can you really engage them? So I think it's a question of, Instead of just sharing data, how can you receive it and how can you do something really compelling to differentiate yourself and ultimately solve a problem for people? I think that a lot of the thinking is really going from a compliance focus to a competitive advantage focused. It's like, if you can't beat them, join them. (laughs) Otherwise, you know, some other companies could easily just steal your customer base and what can you really do about it? And then thinking outside the square, which some of the industries that you mentioned before, uh, when a company or an entrepreneur thinks of an idea or thinks of an application use, then they come to you. Is that how Adatree works and fits in in regards to um, assisting, you know, you know, use cases with open open banking and CDR, broadly speaking? Yeah, um, there's lots of different companies and industries who are you know who are interested in CDR, and some of them are like. I'm, I'm going to create this whole new business um, and, and, and leverage a CDR for it. We can enable that. Or um, we kind of call those like the smarter use cases when you're creating something from scratch. Um, or but like realistically from like a, a risk and an implementation and timing point of view, most of the use cases that are first are saying, oh, I use this and this is what I do. I, you know, I might um, have like a manual um, upload of my data, or I do some manual entering, or this is really, really slow, or I use password sharing and, and it's kind of broken right now. Um, so how can we improve something? How can we make it smoother? So ultimately, you know, I, I love to know people's use cases, but my tech is the same regardless. It caters for, for all different like <laughs> industries. Yeah, yeah it's very broad and, and also companies. you know, you're leveraging the fact that people come up with ideas and entrepreneurs, which will, you know, hopefully, broadly speaking, encourage more people to be a part of the whole system and then therefore the benefits will shine through at a macro level. Mm-hmm. We're, we're actually doing a post soon um, just because we have lots of different use case ideas, even just being like, oh, here's 10 companies that you could create from scratch that leverage a CDR that, you know, that wasn't even possible before. Mm. So like that that type of stuff. So sure, I can make a playbook. Someone's got to implement it, but we can enable it. And in regards to your um, current progress and some features that you've built out, can you give the listeners a bit of color around what's been happening at AdaTree? Yeah, so um, so we've, we've really nailed open banking. We're the only company that's connected to every data source around. Um, you know, we've been onboarding a whole lot of companies as you know as clients with different use cases. Um, I think like two key things: one, really going into energy. Like I say, CDR isn't just open banking; it's economy wide. 
and we're the only intermediary that's actually supporting open energy um, going into November. So we already have a number of open energy clients. It's, it's a really big change about how, you know, the launch of open banking versus open energy. Open banking, people are like, what's CDR? Why should I stop screen scraping? What's this? As opposed to open energy. They're like, this is my use case. Let's go. Mm. And so we're like, cool. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and and, and that's yeah. another a, a blueprint, I suppose, for an industry that can it can be replicated across multiple industries, as you as you mentioned. Yeah, I think we uh, we like to use the words scalable and repeatable. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> for, for, you stole the words software. out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, and then we're also looking at um, we've launched the world's first open data marketplace called the Atree Exchange. So as you can imagine. A lot of companies are like, give me access to data, and we do that for them. But they're like, can can you do this? Can you build this for me? Can you categorize it? Can you initiate payments? What else can you do? Um, and I always like to say that companies die of indigestion, not starvation. There's always too many things to do. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't heard that before, um, but it's all, I think I'm going to use that in the future. No, feel free to steal it. I'm <laughs> sure I saw someone else, I'm not that original. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, when just thinking about, you know, if someone wants to implement a use case and instead of being, you know, thinking about, well, how do they, how do they assess and integrate all these other capabilities? Like that's what we do. Um, they, you know, all these other companies who are really good at what they're doing, um, you know, we'll, we collect the data and they might categorize it or verify account information, lots of different little add-ons. So ultimately it's a menu that you can pick and choose integrate once with us so you can they really accelerate your use cases without having you know 10 different contracts and 10 integrations that's the last thing you'd want to do and when we repeat this conversation in 12 months time where do you um, where do you see the business where do you see the growth um, you mentioned different sectors and and from the listeners out there is it is it very legislative so you're probably restrictive to going overseas or or can you actually do that from from where you are locally yeah, um, lots, lots to unpack in that one for sure. Um, so I think that in 12 months, we'll have so many different use cases live, um, really looking at data and payments together. Um, even if action initiation isn't live, you know, we'll be working with other payment companies um, just to look at like a, a really refined consent flow or how do we leverage CDR insights, which is kind of like a low risk yes or no, that might be about your account ownership balance um, and combining that with payments as well. Um, and then really just looking forward to the different use cases, not just about open banking, but open energy and, and getting ready for other industries. So we're ha having a lot of inquiries from, say, superannuation or insurance. So they're like, what are my use cases? Because even though we enable a whole lot of things, it has to start with the strategy of, well, what problem are you solving? What solution are you creating? Or you know, or what new competitive advantage are you creating for your company? And all, of course, as a consumer. So um, I think that their CDR is a really big tipping point. Um, and if I had one big thing on my wish list, it'd be starting to ban screen scraping, for sure. <laughs> yep, very good. And um, this podcast is called FinTech Fun, and it would be mm -hmm. a pretty boring past podcast if there wasn't much fun involved. So let's talk about Jill, the person. What does Jill do when uh, you want to switch off, when you've got so much going through your head in regards to industries and open banking and Add in things like blockchain. Do you do you get to wind down, and what do you do when you wind down? I think just I I will more like locally on a day to day basis. Um, I live in Bondi, and I try to jump in the water all the time. Even during the 
um, the winter. I'll go how, in. And how cold is it at the it. moment? Is it is it okay? Is it manageable, or do you just push yourself to go through? Oh, oh it's 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 definitely manageable. It'd be around seventeen. Yep. Yep. But, so if, I mean, if you go, you go for a swim, and and you've got a bit of a, a slight non-Aussie twang in your accent. You talk about that your background, where you've come from, and and where where that's that's originated from. Yeah, so I'm from Niagara Falls in the US. Um, it'll get down to negative thirty ish in the uh, in, yeah. in, in in the winter. So um, <laughs> I've actually had only cold holidays. I was just thinking about it the past few days. I'm like, how come I haven't been to Queensland yet? Can't miss the beaches. It's like even January, I went skiing in Utah. Um, recently, just, just you know, I went camping and <laughs> kind of like just. Like in, in Tasmania, my minor geographic um, knowledge says that Niagara Falls sits on both sides of either one on Canada, one on the US. Which one are you from? I'm from the US side. You're from the US side. You get back to the US. You mentioned Utah as now with with COVID sort of still being pretty rampant. But do you, do you intend to go back? Do you get back there a little little often? I think pre-COVID, I would go back. You know, two to four times a year. Yep. And just being like, oh, I'm going to go to this wedding or maybe I'm going to go to a bachelorette in New Orleans or I'm going to go to, you know, a birthday party in Vegas. Um, but just, just, just like, yeah, it's, been, it's been restrictive <laughs> of that. Um, and, 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 and one piece of advice is the last thing we do in this sort of podcast is one piece of advice for other startup founders. You're three years into the journey. You've, you've seen high highs and low lows and everything in between. But uh, is there something which you could suggest to other first time founders? I would say focus on how revenue can be your best form of capital. There will be market, you know, ups and a lot of promises and, you know, it's just inflated valuations. You'll see, you know, of course, there's a lot of that, you know, has happened, especially last year. Mm. Um, but for a really sustainable business, just focusing on revenue, even, you know, supplement that with with grants and credits. Yep. Um, that is like, like, one of my um, early investors absolutely drilled that into me. So revenue is your best form of capital, and that's what I basically say, you know, I, I, every day. I think that that's what makes us into a really sustainable business as well. Jill, on that note, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for telling the. It wasn't the, very fun, but. Well, it wasn't, <laughs> okay, you want to go into some more fun? Okay, well, that was sort of that's business fun, I suppose. Well, is there anything else business that you want to tell me about fun? Do you do you um do you have any interests or side hobbies that no one knows about? Can I get an exclusive here? An, an exclusive? Oh my gosh! I feel like uh, on paper it looks really good. I'm in my tenth season of life saving, but oh, there you go. Kind that, of just, that that that's yeah. down at Bondi. That's what? How many hours do you do, or what's the what's the schedule like during um during during the season of life saving? All right, you do about forty to sixty hours um a like a, a, a season um but it's been a tough few seasons because all of our clients have been gone and it's not particularly fun when you watch people who are locals who who could swim mm. there's not much to do um might be some people that uh when, once the borders open freely and and well they're already open freely but in terms of access to travel becomes a lot easier they will be will get an influx of tourists again i'd imagine and what's all speaking of that bondi in its own right i mean is it still got the same vibe that it was a couple of years ago or is there still is there a little bit missing i think that there's a little bit missing um because i like well i've lived here for um 12 13 years now 
And I think they just, I, I just love to see like so many, so many visitors, um, you know, the, the, those are the people who are like, you know, very nice and keep us busy on the beach. Yep. But, um, you know, we just love walking around and having like the bars and restaurants absolutely full and people just really enjoying themselves. So uh, I'm really, really hoping that this summer is going to be like a classic Bondi summer, like, you know, kiss COVID goodbye. Mm. Well, Lifesaver Jill, thank you very much for, for the podcast and uh, to give us the history of Ada Tree as well as the progress that you're seeing thus far and your future plans. It's been a pleasure to have a chat and, and as I said, look forward to chatting in the future and, and, and seeing how you're going and let me know if I can help along the way. Of course. Thanks so much, Chris, and congratulations on your new endeavor. Thank you. For more information on Sub11, jump onto our LinkedIn or email me chris at sub11.com.au. Thanks for listening.